So I was just chatting to a uh, South African lad uh, who was quite joyful about yesterday's result. Look at this. This is outrageous. Can you see these people? Should we get around them? They've got their rugby t-shirts on. It's at... How dare you be in here? <laughs> now, obviously, we're talking about grace this morning, and grace is about accepting everybody. And so we accept you this morning. You. I really thought, it's just interesting, isn't it? I really thought England was going to win. Um, I didn't watch it all because I was preparing this talk, which was a bit frustrating, but actually I'm glad I didn't in the end. Um, yeah, unbelievable. I thought that after beating New Zealand, I thought they were going to do it. But there you go. Anyway, today we're speaking about being guaranteed by grace. So it's about being absolutely confident, not just, oh, might, this might work out, this might not work out. It's about having absolute confidence in our security in God and what God does. So we're going to look at Romans 16, verses 20, verse 4, rather, Romans 4, verses 16 to 25. Um, but before we start that, I just thought I'd ask this question. And the question is this, how calm are you in a crisis? Now, I'd, I'd, this is a bit of a random picture, but uh, different people respond to crises in different ways. And I think there are, I, work in, I work in business, work in an office, and a lot of people at the moment appear to me to be a bit like, um, was it Corporal Jones in um, Dad's Army going, don't panic, don't panic. And they're absolutely panicking. <laughs> Um, about just the situation that our nation's in. And there is, you could say we are, as uh, we've turned to this talk, hope for a culture in crisis. It's very difficult to see how things are going to work out from a human perspective. It's a, a, a concerning time. And yet I'm fortunate in that I have a natural uh, calm in crises. And I'm just going to give you a couple of stories just to illustrate this. I don't normally boast, but here we are. Uh, so the first one is uh, when we were young. Um, I think this is too scary. I'm going to go back to the first one. Uh, when we were young, I was, um, we were playing cricket. Okay, So picture the scene. We're all, I don't know, we're all fairly young lads. We're playing cricket uh, on a bit of strip of grass next to a country road. So I grew up in the country. And all I remember, I'm sat, I'm sat there... And someone's bowling, someone's batting. And it was all going fairly well. And the guy's batting, and he, the ball comes. And he, he whacks it, but he gets a top edge on the bat. And the ball goes up. And so I'm watching the ball go up. And as I watch the ball go up and over, over the sort of um, hedge, I see a car coming. And the car is sort of coming like this. And the ball's going like this. And I think... Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and it goes higher and higher, and, and, and the car, and the two things sort of, it was just, it was like everything slowed down, and the, the ball whacked on top of the car. Okay? And bang! And the guy skidded to a halt. And there were quite a lot of us playing cricket. And I looked around, and everybody gone. And so, I can't remember how old, I was, I was, I was, I was 10 or 11, something like that. And uh, so the guy gets out of the car, and he's a bit angry. 
You can understand, we just hit his car with a cricket ball. And so he said, what do you think you're playing at? And I went, cricket. <laughs> this, is really this is word for word what happened. What do you think you're playing at cricket? He said, well, what was that? A cricket ball. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, but at that point, the point is everybody else had run away and they were all scared. But I stay calm. Okay. Thank you, thank you. The story number, do you want another one? You can have a choice. Okay, you're going to give you another one. The other one was, we were in, this is a few years later, we are in Gloucester, so I grew up in Gloucestershire, and uh, I'm there, we're in boots, picture the scene, bottom of boots, gone down the, if you know Gloucester boots, you know Gloucester boots? I don't know if you do. <laughs> down the elevator. Anyway, we're on the ground floor, that's where we were. And... Um, so my brother, one of my brothers, and I'm not going to name him, just for confidentiality reasons. And uh, so I'm facing one way, he's facing the other, and he wants to buy a stereo. Now, for the, you younger guys who've got no idea what a stereo is, it's like this thing that played music back in the 80s. And uh, so he was going to buy this stereo. And uh, what was funny about it was, he, you know these wires, the red wire, blue wire? Well, they used to have wires around the hi-fi, didn't they? To try and keep them safe. So my brother looked at it and thought, I want to get a proper look at this. And so he pulled the wire apart. Okay, and that's the security wire. And what happened was the light started flashing. And a noise, and everybody in the shop. And at this point, I didn't know what was going on. I'm just, I've got my back to my brother. And I turned around. And there's literally like a group of people gathering, sort of looking at me. And I see my brother's head running out of the bottom of boots, if you know out in Gloucester, and running away. And I was like, but I was absolutely calm in that crisis, because I knew I'd done nothing wrong. I knew I was innocent. I knew I was not the person who was going to get done if anyone was going to I knew I was, I was innocent. And anyway... So the, the, the alarms all got switched off and it was all fine. Now, God's word <laughs> can give us that kind of calm, even in crises, even in a storm. And we're going to look at this together. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to go through Romans 4, verses 16 to 25. And I'm going to read it uh, from the PowerPoint here. Romans so it says this, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his face, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God 
had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Okay, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to get into God's words. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for that psalm that says, at the unfolding of your word, you bring light. And I pray, Lord, you'd shine today here by your spirit into our hearts and our minds and do what you want to do for your glory, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at this subject of grace and how we can be sure about grace. And I'm going to look at three things. Receiving God's promise, responding to God's present, and relying on God's power. Okay, so first of all, receiving God's promise. So it says this, it says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Now you might be there thinking, what on earth are you talking about, Rob? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> That's the idea of this morning. Um, and I think it's just helpful, because when you see the word therefore, you've got to think, well, what is that? It obviously is pointing back to what was said previously. And obviously, we've had some really great talks going through this book of Romans. And there is a lot of this thing about the unfolding word of God. It's just we're coming back to the same themes. But as you, you look at it from different angles, you get new things. And it really is like that. So you have to remember, okay, why, why is Paul writing this letter? Well, there are two groups, just to bring you back to this, there are two groups effectively in the church in Rome. So it's a, a letter to a church in Rome. So you've got the Jewish believers, okay, who, are, if you like, they are, um, they are the ones who grew up with it. They knew all the songs. They uh, got done as babies, if you like. Um, they worked hard at following all the rules. They, they were proud of their heritage. They were proud of what God had done in their past. In fact, they were proud of their ancestry and their heritage, spiritual heritage. So that was one group of believers. And then you've got the Gentile believers. So these are the new guys. <laughs> they've, they've come to a new faith and they're not quite sure where the, the old guys are coming from. <laughs> and they're excited about this new faith. And they're actually, their lives have been totally changed. So they're living in a godly way. But they're not, they're not following godly laws. They're just following God. And they're doing what God wants. And so Paul is writing. You see this as the, as the letter goes on. He's writing to help them realize that none of them, whether they've been around a long time, or whether they're new. None of them are there on their own merits. All of them need God's grace. As Jonathan's talk said, there is no one righteous, not even one. Nobody deserves God's love. It is given as a gift, and that is what grace is. It's God's gift to you. And you've got to keep remembering that if you're going to live right. If you get into the wrong frame of mind. You start to become proud. And that's why later on in Romans it talks about 
do not think too, do not think of yourself too highly. I think that's what was going on. People were getting proud. So all of this teaching about what God's done is to keep us humble and keep us thankful for what God's done. So that's kind of the context of where this talk about Abraham is. So Paul then deliberately brings up the subject of Abraham. This whole chapter four is about, really about Abraham's faith. There's a bit about David, but it's mainly about Abraham's faith. So why is he doing that? Well, for the Jewish guys, he's pointing out to them, Abraham was made right with God before he did anything religious. Abraham was made right with God not through working really hard and being really good, Abraham got a gift. So they were really proud of Abraham. So Abraham was really righteous. Wasn't he great? And he is our ancestor. But actually they're saying, well, how did it happen for Abraham? Abraham was actually a bit wobbly, to my mind, as you read it. But it was, the point is this. God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham received the promise. And it's the promise that did the work in Abraham. So it was, a, it was actually God who did it in Abraham. Abraham wasn't that great. It was God who was great, and he did something in Abraham. So that's what they're trying to say. So he's trying to help the Jews say, well, actually, with Abraham, it wasn't Abraham was great. It was God did it. But then he's also honoring of Abraham so that the Gentiles don't go, well, forget about Abraham. Yeah, what? What's Ab- who's Abraham? Abraham who? No, Abraham was important to God. And you'll see, actually, it says here, we're all Abraham's offspring. So what's he saying there? He's saying, actually, if you believe in God, well, actually, first of all, Abraham believed in God. And God spoke some pretty amazing promises to Abraham. And actually, the fact that you're even here believing in God is partly because of what God did in Abraham. So you're benefiting from what God did and spoke to Abraham. You think, really? Yeah. The promises that God spoke to Abraham are absolutely incredible. They're absolutely incredible. And it's not like we've suddenly thought of this ourselves. Suddenly, Hope Church Winchester has invented Christianity. (laughs) No, no, no. We're just in the flow of something that's been going on for a long, long time. God has been good, and God is still being good, and he's good today. And we can get in on what God does. So that's what this is all about. It's about what God does. That's grace. Grace is about what God does. It's not what we do. And it's so important to get that into your head and into my head. So I want you to stop for a minute and just think about, okay, well, what, would it, what was it like for Abraham? Okay, I've been reading um, Martin Lloyd-Jones' books. Uh, he, just, he actually went through Romans over 13 years. Okay, so it's going to be a long morning. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not going to be long. It's not. I'm going to be on time, don't worry. But there's some amazing bits in his books. And one of the things is just he was saying, get into what it was like to be Abraham. Think about it. Think about what it was like. And I was just thinking, it was absolutely incredible. Because what happened to Abraham is God just spoke to him. And he said, this is going to happen to you. And it's quite incredible. And I think... Just look, look at these promises that God spoke to Abraham. Now, in the first time he spoke to, he says, uh, 
one of the things he says is, all peoples will be blessed through you. Can you imagine? God speaks to you and says, actually, all peoples are going to be blessed through you. That's quite a big thing to take on. Uh, I have made you a father of many nations, and so shall your offspring be. These are the summary bits in this passage here in Romans 4. This just kind of summarizes. We can't talk about all that God said to Abraham, but you get the feel of it. He's, he actually asked him to change his name. So he said, he was Abraham, which means exalted father. And he said, I want you to change your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So he said, okay. And at that point, he was father of nothing. There was, no, there was nothing visible at that point. And yet God spoke to him and said, I'm going to do this in your life. And it's just, it's just an incredible promise. And then these phrases like this, I will make you very fruitful. Kings will come from you. He said that to Abram. There will be kings coming from you. So Abraham glimpsed something of what was going to happen in the future through his line, if you like, through what God was going to do in his family. And this is the story of Jesus. See, Jesus was in the line of Abraham. And actually, it's the promise to Abraham that I'm going to bless the whole world is fulfilled through Jesus. And it's as people believe in Jesus, and literally you've seen it around the world, millions and millions and hundreds of millions of people believing in this Jesus. But when it happened, when it, right at Abraham's point, nothing, it was all in the future. It was all, it hadn't happened yet. But God spoke to him and said, I'm going to do something in your life. It's just quite incredible to, to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. I don't know if you're getting there. But you think, God's going to do, I'm going to do something in your life that you would not believe. It's amazing. Well, actually, that is what the gospel is also. The gospel is good news. And it does the same thing. It's God's going to do something in your life that you would not believe. You say, well, I'm not sure about this Christianity stuff. Well, you don't get it through working really hard, being really good. You get it through hearing God, receiving his promise. And God speaks all the time. The point is, are you listening? Are you open to hearing it? Because there's some amazing things that we've been going through. So it says this, for the gospel, for in the gospel the righteousness of God was revealed. And that's just in the first chapter of Romans. Now this, this verse here absolutely blew the mind of a guy called Martin Luther a few hundred years ago. Because he'd been trying on his own to be right with God. He'd been working really, really hard. He'd trying to do all the good things. And then he came across his verse and went, oh, it comes from God. It doesn't come from me. It comes from God. I receive it as a gift. And he got very excited. And he got radically changed. And he spread churches all around the world. And it's a huge, just getting hold of this truth. It was God's truth, God's promise to him. Actually, it's not about you. It's about what I do in you. In Romans 3, all are justified freely by your grace. You say, that means everybody can be justified freely by grace. You have to respond, but you, it's available to everybody. It's a worldwide, all peoples, all nations. The whole world can respond to this great promise of God. 
As John so, spoke so well a couple of weeks ago, blessed is the one, this is a promise that David gets picked up in this chapter here, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Amazing promise, will be forgiven. And here, you just see this word credited as righteousness. And that, you, I don't know if you remember John was talking about getting money in your account. That's a very good illustration that God, God deposits into your life his wealth of provision, of grace, the abundance of grace, as it talks about later on. There's a huge abundance of grace. So who does it? God does it. God brings his grace into your life, and it's grace that does the work. So here it says, I love this bit, we read just now, it says, it was credited to him as righteousness. These words were not written for him alone, but also for us. We get to get in on this promise. So that's the first thing. It's God's promise, receiving God's promise. Amazing. The second thing is remembering, and I've been trying to get this across already, is remembering that grace it means gift, okay? So I've called it God's present. Now it's, I've also, you know, I've kind of checked out the word present because it's my birthday uh, in a couple of weeks next Sunday. Thanks very much. Uh, the boys are going to be 18, so make them embarrassed and say happy birthday to them next week. Uh, but, and it's my brother's birthday today as well, actually. My younger brother. Not the one who did the stereo. Uh, anyway, so... But it's nothing like receiving a gift. You're like, oh, great. Yeah, you have a response to a gift, don't you? A response of, that's great. Well, that should be our response to the gospel and to the good news of Jesus. This credited righteousness. It shouldn't be, hmm, yeah, so I've got to go to church today, isn't it? Well, if you're thinking like that, you haven't, grace hasn't got into your thinking yet because the response of the Christian is, I've received a gift. Wow, great. I'm so joyful. I'm so happy to be a Christian because God's done something in me. I didn't do it. God did it. I've received a gift. It's very simple. Now, that is what it is to become a Christian. It's not you have to go through so many weeks of this, so many weeks of that. I mean, sometimes we make it about this and, you know, uh, you've got to get, do this, act, you've got to do that. No, you just receive a gift. You say, okay, God... And you could be here today for the first time and never heard about Jesus. And you could hear that Jesus has died for your sins on the cross and he's prepared to take those sins away from you. And you could respond straight away and you'd be equally as righteous as somebody who's been here for 50, 60, 70 years. Maybe not in practice, but in the sight of God, you'll be declared righteous. That is the gift of God. That's grace. He makes you righteous. Not, it's not something we have to earn or be religious about. God does it. So it's a gift. The problem is that, let's stay on that. The problem is that we always seem to go about it the wrong way, trying to respond to God's gift. So we might start and go, start with grace, but then we move on to uh, trying to justify ourselves, make ourselves right through what we do, doing good things, or obeying the laws, or tidying ourselves up. We seem to think that somehow we're going to make ourselves... You know what I mean? We, we, try, we slip back into legalism. And all of these chapters here in Romans are trying to stop people being legalistic 
And what do I mean by that? I mean trying to earn your way to God. You can't earn your way to God. You'll never be good enough in and of yourself. You can't make it. It's, it's not possible. So you need to receive the gift. Um, and I think it's particularly important for people who grow up a bit like the Jews with their heritage. People who grow up in Christian families. Now, I am one of those. And it's an amazing blessing to be growing, growing up in a Christian family, to have Christian parents. It's good. You think, oh, thank you. But there is actually a danger to it. There is a danger to growing up a Christian family. And that is presumption. And you're sort of relying on your heritage and, other, and you think, well, God's... God's going to look after you because of what somehow God's done in your family. So I've, my family, uh, it doesn't matter about my family. There's a lot of Christians in my family, but not, it was really funny. We had this, this day a few years ago called the Golding's Day. Okay. And there was all these Christians here who become, lots of Christians, they all from my family, loads of them. But they, we found out about great, 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 great Daniel Golding. And it, they said, Daniel, just to let you know, it was like an instruction day about, you know, the history of the Goldings. I mean, how boring is that? <laughs> anyway, but great, great, great Daniel. They said, they said, oh, he was illegitimate. He didn't know who his dad was. You could have heard a pin drop. All these people who thought they were good actually were just the same as anybody else. But there's an, there was a pride and an arrogance. Do you know what I mean? It can be that aren't we good Christians? No, we're all sinners. All have sinned. No one is righteous, not even one. So you yourself, if you're from a Christian, you yourself have to make that request and response to God. You say, God, forgive me for my sin. And there's been plenty of sin in my life and a lot of the other goldings I know. Um, and so everybody, nobody can rely on their heritage. Does that make sense? You can't rely on your past or your heritage. You yourself have to respond to God's gift. And so it's in this passage, it's quite clear. It says, Abraham didn't earn it through his good life. He didn't receive it through being religious. So the circumcision thing came later on. And that was just a, a sign of God doing something in his heart. And he also didn't get it through being legalistic, obeying the laws, obeying the Ten Commandments. You say, what? Surely obeying the Ten Commandments is good. Well, the Ten Commandments say this. And I love this. This is in Romans 13. Ten Commandments are, what? You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet. And whatever other command there may be. This is Paul writing. There are some other ones as well. I bet Paul knew all the commandments. But the point is this. The commandments don't make you right. They don't, hearing those things doesn't give you life, doesn't change you. Actually, it just makes you feel guilty because you don't, it doesn't give you the power. But grace, God's gift of righteousness, has the ability to help you live a godly life. It actually gives you the ability to do it. And it's a radical thing to think about. And I'm sure we'll look at it in more detail as we keep going through Romans. But grace is the thing that helps change you. But I know some people think, well, I can't be, it's all right for you, Rob. You know, you grew up with it. But I can't believe in, I can't have faith in God. 
Well, I just want to say faith is not irrational. Sometimes you think, oh, it sounds like you just become a Christian and it's like something happened to you overnight, you slept funny and, you know, it was like, oh, it happened. No, faith is completely rational. I love this. This is from John Stott. It says, faith is believing or trusting a person and its reasonableness depends on the reliability of the person. So the question is, is God reliable? Does he deliver the stuff? Faith is not burying our heads in the sand, trying to believe what we know is not true, or even whistling in the dark to keep our spirits up. On the contrary, faith is reasoning trust. There cannot be believing without thinking. So it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Interestingly here, it says Abraham was fully persuaded that God could do it. He was fully persuaded. That, that word literally means he thought it through. He heard what God said, but he thought it through. He, he thought about it deeply. He said, is this true? Can God do it? And I want to encourage you today, this is true. And there are two things that strike me from this passage that you need to think about. The first thing is Abraham's promise has come true. All around the world today, all people have been blessed through what God spoke to Abraham and was fulfilled through Jesus and is happening now today all around the world. Millions of people and that came from what, and the, when, it's, when God spoke to Abraham, there was nothing going on. But we can see it now. We are centuries down the line and we can see what God has done through the promise of Abraham. So that's one thing that's an evidence that God is at work. The other thing here in this passage is Jesus did rise from the dead. That is the convincing proof. It is a rational proof to your mind. Now, this faith is still taking a step of faith. It's still stepping out. Now, I, I had a funny... Uh, it's quite funny what Henry brought. Not funny, ha-ha. Funny, weird. Because I had this illustration uh, come to me this week, which was I was sitting in the car park. I'd like to give you detail of the background. I was sitting in the car park, Kingsclear. I was looking out, and there are all these birds flying. Just flying, okay? Uh, but they weren't doing anything, they were just on the thermals, the invisible thermals, it's like a bit of a cliff, and they were just resting on the thermals, the invisible thermals. I was thinking, that's a bit like grace. It's, it's, you're receiving something invisible that lifts you up. Yeah? It's God who does it. It's invisible, you can't, but you have to, now the bird has to receive the grace. It has to stretch its wings out and receive it. But God can lift you up. That's how grace changes you. So I'm declared righteous. It's a, something you receive and say, God's made me righteous. I, I stretch out in that. A Abraham changed his name before he had the kid. But he was stretching out into the invisible. He didn't see it yet, but he said, I'm responding to God. So that was the amazing thing. So I want to encourage you that actually you can receive God's gift. Faith is trusting in Jesus. And then the finally, he relied on God's power. And the thing about this is that it says here, God gives life to the dead and calls into things, into being things which were not. And 
as I've been thinking about this, it's amazing how so often we think about we've got to do it. We've got to live this Christian life. It all rests on us. I've got to do lots of really good things and then actually Christianity is receiving from God. It's responding to God and it's relying on what God does and saying, work in me, God. It's, it's work in me what's pleasing to you. It's actually cooperating with God, if that makes sense. It's not you do it, it's God does it in you. So that's my encouragement. And uh, so often we think we've got to do it all. But I remember hearing this talk when I was young. And it's a bit like this. It says, there's a, there's a verse that says this in Philippians. We're confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So the question is, has God started something in you? Because if he has, he is going to carry it on. It's not you struggling with your own efforts. It's God's going to carry it on. And maybe there's something new God wants you to do. It's interesting how the, the call of God comes to Abraham. And the call has power. There's a power on the call of God on your life. And God calls to us and says, step out in faith. That is the call. Believe God and receive what he's promised. And actually, as you do that, it makes you stronger. See, Abraham was strengthened in faith. He wasn't the 100%, it wasn't the real deal all straight away. He got stronger as he went along. And that is my experience. When I was first a Christian, I was pretty wobbly. <laughs> I'm still a bit wobbly now. But God's strengthening me. And this is a, a great quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. is this. The secret of faith. It's our ignorance of God that's the main problem. So do not think too much about your little faith. Think more about God. Get to know God. Realize the truth about him. And as you do so, you'll find, perhaps to your surprise, that your faith is becoming strong and you'll be amazed at yourself. So it's God who does it in us. That is grace. It's by grace we're saved, not through faith. It's the gift. It's not from ourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. And that also affects how we treat other people. And that's why Paul was writing this letter. He wanted the Christians to love one another, to accept one another, not because they were great, but because God was great and he'd done it. He'd made the way for them to be right with God. I hope that's helped you this morning.